one of the people who worked out there was Michael Cunningham. He was the Pulitzer Prize-winning author of The Hours. And I had just watched the movie and I had just read the book and here he was working out next to me. And so in the locker room, I said, you know, hi, you don't know me, but um, I just read your book and it's it was amazing. And he was just, okay, that's, that's great. Thank you so much. And then I said, you know, I'm a musician and I love how your writing to me feels like music. His whole face just brightened. It was just like, oh, okay, let's talk about this. What fuels a multi-passionate life? I'm Jessica Wan, and in this podcast, I interview people who straddle two completely different worlds. I call them ampersands, and we are collectively designing the Ampersand Manifesto. We're re-airing an interview from August 2022 with Dominic Lim, author, singer, and storyteller. Dom's debut novel, All the Right Notes, a queer Asian rom-com, releases tomorrow, June 6th. The book is already receiving rave reviews and accolades. According to Booklist, Lim's soul-nourishing debut not only perfectly captures the hope and heartbreak of two people falling in love, but also music's power to transform lives. And Entertainment Weekly recently added All the Right Notes their list of the 27 best books to take on your 2023 summer vacation. Enjoy this interview from last fall, and we'll be back tomorrow with a new interview with Dominic Lim. I'm so excited today to talk with Dominic Lim. Dom is an author, singer, and storyteller. His debut novel, All the Right Notes, a queer Asian rom-com, will be released in June 2023. Dom is a member of the Writer's Grotto and a co-host of the Babylon Salon Reading and Performance Series in San Francisco. He studied psychology at Oberlin and got his master's from Indiana University's Jacobs School of Music. Dom has sung with numerous professional early music and choral ensembles. He's a proud member of the Actors' Equity Association. He's performed off-Broadway and in regional productions throughout the U.S., Dom, welcome to the show. Thank you. I'm so happy to be here. Yeah, I'm excited about this. So Dom, you and I first met while performing in a Cole Porter show back in 2015. That's right. I was so enamored by both your singing and acting talents. But at that time, I had no idea that you were also a writer. What has the last decade looked like in terms of your writing journey and especially your visibility as a writer? I've always enjoyed writing, even as a kid. I remember in the third grade, I wrote and created an entire book. Like I even made the cover and I did it again in fourth grade. And I've been writing in journals and things like that for basically my entire life. But it wasn't until I would say 2013, really, that I started to really look into writing as something more than just a hobby. And I started taking writing classes And that was sort of on a very relaxed basis until around, I would say, 2017. And that's when I enrolled in the UC Berkeley Extension Writing Certificate Program. And that sort of codified a little bit more my writing journey, started taking like required classes and things like that. And just from the very beginning, I was getting so much positive feedback from my teachers In fact, the first class I took at UC Berkeley, the 
teacher took me aside and said, you know, I love the story that you wrote. I'd actually like to publish it myself because she had a little bit of a, she had a small press of her own. Amazing. So yeah, I mean, it was, I mean, when you're in this beginning, you know, the 101 of creative writing and the teacher takes you aside and says, I, I want to publish your story. I think that's a great sign, you know? <laughs> and it just kind of went from there. I've been just really lucky as, um, as a musician, and I'm sure we'll talk about that. You know, it's been ups and downs, but with writing from the beginning, it's really been just a lot of positive feedback from everyone that I've been, you know, lucky enough to work with and to study under. One of the other teachers, she asked me to do a reading with her, you know, in public. And another teacher suggested that I, you know, submit to certain journals. And so it's been a fantastic journey. And then in the sort of latest, most recent stage of my writing career, that's been working on my novel. So that also has been a really great journey for me and a lot of work, but it's been going well. I don't know a ton about the writing world, but it seems like kind of a rare story to have such tremendous support kind of from the get-go. You're exactly right. Talking to so many writers and people that I took classes with, it is a very hard journey to become a writer and to become a quote-unquote successful writer, meaning someone who's you know published either stories or, or books or whatever. And it is a lot of rejection, just like there's a lot of rejection being a musician and a singer. My story is a little bit rare because I have gotten a lot of people just saying, you have what it takes. Here's what you should do. An example of this is when I was querying my novel. When you write a novel and you want to be published, the next thing you need to do really is find an agent. And it it is possible to publish a novel without an agent. Self, You could self-publish, you can try to submit on your own. But if you really want to get it published by one of the big five or the big four publishers, you need an agent, right? So when I was querying, I was nervous because I'd heard all the stories. You know, you, you query 10 agents, you wait for the rejections, you query another 10 agents, you wait for those rejections. You know, and I've heard stories of people querying for like one year, two years, querying up to 30 agents without even getting a response. And make a long story short, I queried 11 agents and I got eight of them to ask for my manuscript, which is it, it's kind of mind boggling that eight of them all wanted to read. Usually you don't get anything or you get sorry, pass, you know, and every now and then you'll get a bite like, I'm interested. Let me take a look. But for eight out of the 11 to ask me for my manuscript, I knew I I was doing something right. So it kind of went from there. Yeah. I'm so impressed, Dominic. And I'm really looking forward to reading your novel. Oh, thanks. (laughs) I mean, this is quite a setup here. I'm gonna, (laughs) I'm gonna really enjoy this novel. And I I do want to mention you've landed a two book deal with a major publisher. So what is that all about? So that was exciting. A lot of the book publishing process is hurry up and wait, right? You just do all these things and you just wait, 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 you wait. Um, When I got my agent in February, and I had four offers from agents, and I was able, so I was lucky again, I was able to pick which one I wanted to go with. She and I started submitting right away um, after uh, an initial process of sort of refining my manuscript. And then we waited, we waited, and we waited, and it, w- it took about four months to get a bite 
from a publisher. But at that point, my agent called me and she said, hey, do you have another book that you're working on? And at that point, the answer was no. But what I told her was, yes. Smart. (laughs) (laughs) Um, I said, yes, I have an idea. And she said, well, I I think we're getting a bite, but they want to know if you have anything else in the pipeline, which means that they're interested in offering a two-book deal. So she said, even if you have just an idea, all they need is a synopsis, even if it's like four sentences. So I said, sure. And then I, I was on vacation with my partner, Peter. And so I got off the phone and I said, Peter, help me brainstorm <laughs> ideas for a second book. <laughs> wow. And so we did. And we went to a coffee shop. I had some ideas already. And so we sort of refined them. And I pitched two to my agent. She says, these look good. She sent those ideas to the editor at the publishing company. And they came back the next day and with a verbal offer to the agent saying, yeah, we want to offer this and we'll follow it up with a written one. So it will be a two book deal. Dom, I'm so excited for you. So you mentioned that you chose um, this ampersand lifestyle where writing Mm -hmm. and music are actually, they're really, really hard to break into, right? And (laughs) and you faced rejection in both. And I'm curious how you think maybe that rejection as as a musician, as a singer, has prepared you as a writer? Oh, oh my gosh. Yeah, as an actor and a musician, I mean, let me talk about my acting career. In the early aughts, when I was in my 20s working in New York, trying to break into the theater business, I distinctly remember like, auditioning for Rent several ah. times because Rent that was the time of Rent, right? Where it was very popular. And that was kind of a good show for me, I thought. Roger? Actually, Angel. Angel! Was the one that I always wanted to be. Yeah. Oh. Mm-hmm. I always wanted to do Angel. Such a great character. And, yeah. And a very good friend of mine, Tully Leung, um, has played Angel. And I wish I could have. I never got the chance. But I always would get up right at six o'clock in the morning, take the subway to the the place that had the open call. And and by that time, there was already three blocks full of people just waiting in line for the audition. And it is this process of that and, and any other audition getting into this really long line at the time. It was in person and waiting and waiting. And then finally, the closer you get to the beginning of the line, just hearing just these phenomenal, phenomenal voices, one after the other, amazing, 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 amazing. And then having to hear that and then go up and sing. And not only are you sort of facing these insecurities of, am I good enough? But then singing your thing. And then after four bars, eight bars of them going, thank you, next. You know, you just have to become hardened to this process of like constant rejection. It was hard at first, but I'm so glad that I went through it because it really prepared me for the writing life of being rejected. I know that, you know, when my friends and I started submitting stories and they would get rejection after rejection, I didn't feel the way that they did because it's like, oh, this is just how it is. Writers (laughs) in general can be very insecure, just like any other artist, right? And these things are so personal, these stories we put out in the world. And to be rejected time and time again, it's a lot on your on your psyche. Mm-hmm. Um, but for me, I had already experienced that. I'm like, it's nothing personal. You know, it's just like, you just don't fit what they need at that time. It's nothing about you. So just keep going. So yeah, I, I'm very thankful I had that experience as a singer and an actor. Yeah. 
Let's talk about your book. So your debut novel, All the Right Notes, is about a Filipino composer-pianist and his relationship with a closeted Hollywood actor. The main character's name is Kito, and he composes a song his freshman year in high school when he realizes he's gay. So you and composer Martin McGinn actually composed this song to really understand Kito's world. How did that come to be? As I was writing the book, the song, as you said, it, it's an early plot point, and it keeps coming back through the, the story. The funny thing is, a lot of times people will say, I wrote this book having it in mind as a movie. And when I wrote this book, I had it in mind as a musical, you know, <laughs> and true sense. to the musical. <laughs> of course, <laughs> right? <laughs> and of course, true to that theme, there is this thematic song that keeps coming, just like any musical does. There's a theme that keeps coming back. So there's this song that keeps coming back through the course of these two characters' lives. As I was writing the book, I knew what the lyrics would be. But I said to myself, if I really want to inhabit the story, I want to know what this song actually sounds like, you know. So that's when I approached uh, my friend um, Marty, who's this amazing, amazing composer. I've always loved all his compositions and his songs. So I said, hey, I have this idea for a song. Would you help me write it? And um, I sent him some lyrics and like right away, he sent me back a song. He's like, I usually write my own lyrics. I thought it would be hard, but once I saw your words, something came to me right away. And so he just laid something down for me. We ironed out a couple of the lyrics so that it would track better with the music. And then from my side, I asked if certain alterations could be made to the music. And this was during the pandemic. He recorded his part in his apartment. I recorded my part in my closet in the house. Then finally we put it all together, have, having never met in person. Well, I mean, we know each other in person, but for this song. And then we had this song and we uploaded it to YouTube. And I have performed it as part of a reading uh, in public, which has gone over extremely well. No one ever does this. They, you know, they do a reading, they just read. They don't read and then sing a song from the book. That, <laughs> that never happens. And it's been very well received, I think, because it adds this other component to the book, right? And most writers are not singers. So it's kind of the shock factor of like, oh, <laughs> the author's now singing to me. <laughs> it's your ampersand. I mean... It is my amp. It is exactly <gasps> my ampersand. That is it in a nutshell. Yeah. You've just brought it together. You've, yeah. you've done it. I'm. It's amazing yeah. <laughs> how you are weaving these different parts of yourself, which aren't really different, right? Like you're the storyteller at the core. They're not different. Yeah. I, I love this. Here's Dominic Lim singing the song, A Part I Play. Put a smile on my face They're all waiting for me to begin To get to this night I've practiced all of my life To change who I am to fit in I'll do what they want And try not to flaunt to be something I'm not supposed to be 
do it just so so they'll never know deep inside i just want to be free they tell me the show must go on so i'll try to be strong and i'll say what they want me to say but the person they'll see won't really be me it's only a part i play a part i play i'm tired of these you can hear the full song a part i play on dom's website dominiclim.com Let's take a short break to reflect on this question. Where in your life have you felt like you're playing a part instead of just being you? Outside of hosting this podcast, I partner with leaders in the workplace as they rise up. Perhaps you've gotten a promotion, landed a new role, or taken on a lot more responsibility, and you need a trusted sounding board to support you as you support your team. I coach individuals and leadership teams to rise to the challenge with my ampersand blend of analytical and creative. If any of this intrigues you, reach out to me at jessicawan.com. Now, back to the show. When you think back to childhood, what were some inklings that you had that you would be a storyteller in the musical form and in the writing form. The earliest that I can remember was always my mom singing around the house and encouraging me sort of to do the same. My first instrument was like this multicolored xylophone. And I remember from a very early age being able to sort of listen to something on the radio and, you know, plop it out on the xylophone. So I knew that that, that those connections in my head were already there, this connection to music. And then parallel to that, there was always this component of storytelling, reading and writing. So um, my mother taught me how to read before I was in kindergarten. That was a big, big thing for her. And she was uh, an English teacher in the Philippines. And the unfortunate thing is, as an immigrant, you know, and this was in the... uh, uh, early 80s, late 70s, early 80s. You know, she couldn't get a job as an English teacher in the U.S. because she was an immigrant. No one wanted to be, you know, taught English from an immigrant Filipino. So she couldn't get a job, but she taught me. Mm. And she taught me how to read before I got to kindergarten. And so I remember going to the library like every weekend. That was my biggest joy is going and getting these books and reading them. And immediately after that, you know, started writing my own stories. And it wasn't until I became an adult that that became more serious. But it was always these two things hand in hand, Mm -hmm. right? This reading that I loved and writing my own little stories, but also, you know, being the dramatic little child and singing and dancing. And (laughs) like, I remember when I was in grade school, I was the only boy in the grade school dance team. So adorable yeah. to think about <laughs> little little Dom on the dance team. So what fuels you to keep going as both an author and a singer? Well, I love doing both. Um, it's been ingrained in my soul, both music and words. 
There are times when one sort of has to take the center stage sometimes more than the other because there's only so many hours in the day and I also have a full-time job. So, for example, during the pandemic, you know, the singing sort of took a seat because for two reasons. One, because I was focusing on my novel. And second, because singing in public just sort of evaporated. The only singing I was doing really during the pandemic was singing for masses that were uh, recorded for online services. Mm -hmm. So I'm thankful for that. I was given that opportunity to at least keep that up. But it is hard to do both. Like right now, I'm in rehearsals for a production of Side by Side by Sondheim. And I'm still doing stuff for my book. And I'm also... (laughs) I'm also taking trumpet lessons because <laughs> I have to play something from Gypsy. You know, it's the gotta get a gimmick. And the, the, yeah, no, so you play the trumpet. You play with the trumpet. And I and I said to the I said to the director, I said, are we? I was like, can I do the trumpet part? He's like, yeah, we'll get you a, a toy trumpet and the piano will play. It was like, no, 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 no. I wanna, I wanna play it. And he was like, okay, it's up to you. So I, I, ha- I bought a trumpet. I'm taking trumpet lessons from a friend of mine. So now it's this point where I literally have, okay, 30 minutes for trumpet, an hour for practicing side by side by Sondheim, an hour to go over revisions for my novel. You know, y- you have to. like, mm-hmm. And I'm so happy doing that. I'm the, I think I am the happiest when I have all these things that I'm doing. When I take breaks from things, I don't feel as complete. Mm. So I think right now I'm, I'm feeling the most fulfilled that I have felt in a very long time, actually. Yeah, you're catching me at a very good time. <laughs> this is wonderful. <laughs> I just can't wait in a year or two when you're making the rounds as a trumpeter. And I'm like, I knew I knew him. I when. wouldn't go that far. <laughs> oh, amazing. Yeah. Amazing. Yeah, it strikes me that your ampersand is it has been different in different parts of your life, right? Because I know in your your twenties it was very much about Broadway and acting and singing. Yeah. And then now it's like writing has taken center stage for a little while. Yes. So it's interesting how um, things can shift throughout a lifetime, but you're still doing both because you still are both, right? Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. What other advice do you have for people who are either pursuing or thinking of pursuing an ampersand lifestyle? I would say, first of all, don't be hard on yourself because it is really hard as you know it's so hard it's hard enough to do one thing let alone two things or more you know and i think i would say that most people who are ampersands and i'm sure you could probably back this up are people who are very driven by accomplishment and success because it takes a lot to want to do more than one thing, right? So there's something in us that makes us really strive for excellence. Um, And that's great because we end up being able to accomplish a lot with our lives, but it's also a two-edged sword, Mm -hmm. right? Because it can cut the other way. Rejections can sometimes cut harder. It can sometimes mean we are harder on ourselves. We put too much pressure on ourselves to succeed. If we're not getting where we want to, 
we might give up. My advice is just don't give up. That's the great thing about having more than one artistic endeavor is that if one's not going so well, give it a break for a while, you know, just put it on the back burner and and then focus on the other one for a while. We have that ability. Yeah, I would say take advantage of that. Yeah. I I love this idea of we can strive for excellence and we don't have to strive for perfection. Yeah. And we can give ourselves a break once in a while. Yeah. And that's definitely something I have learned as I've gotten older that you know, yeah. you're totally right. As a child, it was very self-driven and um, totally very kind of motivated. I was very motivated by the destination. Yes. But now, to be honest, I'm not even sure what the destination is, and I'm okay with it. Yeah. <laughs> right? Yeah. Uh, yeah, absolutely. I think that's that's great advice. And also the intersectionality of our artistic endeavors. You mentioned earlier that being a writer and being a musician are very closely related, and they are because they're both storytelling in some form. And I think it's it's nice to be able to have those things feed into each other because they can enrich each other. You know, for example, when I write, it's really influenced by music you know, the cadence of the sentence. Does How does it sound when you read it aloud? I was living in New York, and I was working out at this gym that was a very gay gym. Um, a lot of, like, um, kind of celebrity people worked out of this gym, and one of the people who worked out there was Michael Cunningham. He was the Pulitzer Prize-winning author of The Hours. And I had just watched the movie, and I had just read the book, and here he was working out next to me. And so in the locker room, I said, you know, hi, you don't know me, but um, I just read your book, and it's it was amazing. And he was just, okay, that's, that's great. Thank you so much. And then I said, you know, I'm a musician, and I love how your writing, to me, feels like music. His whole face just brightened. It was just like, oh, okay, Let's talk about this. And that's what really good writing to me is, is music. So when you have these, when you were able to see the connections between your two worlds and how they can influence each other and how they can each make each thing better, you know, and as a singer, when I sing, I'm influenced by how I should be able to tell a story, not just sing, not just to make beautiful sounds with my with my mouth and my lips and whatever but how am i conveying a story to people that is the joy of being an ampersand i love this story <laughs> about michael cunningham i imagine that you identified him by the book jacket cover and yes that's right <laughs> that's exactly and now how people will be identifying you by your book jacket oh my cover. god <laughs> i've never even thought yes. about that that's really scary <laughs> What what else do you think should be in the ampersand manifesto? As you know, this is one of the goals of the podcast. We're collectively yeah. making a manifesto. What else should be in there? I'm imagining people who are going to be listening to this are either people who are ampersands or who have that potentiality within themselves, but who maybe haven't given themselves that permission to do that. Maybe it's someone out there who is, you know, doing one thing, but they also want to do another, but they think it's too hard or they, you know, they don't see a clear cut way to be able to do both. And I think that 
what's so great about this idea of yours about this podcast it th- is that it will empower people you know say look listen there are these people who are able to do this it's not easy but it is absolutely doable and not only that it is it is a joy it's not a sacrifice it's not saying i can't give this up so i'm just going to do both half ass it's not. It's like you can do both. You can really give all of yourself to both things or more things. Dom, it has been such a pleasure talking with you today. Thank you. F- folks, you can check out Dominic at DominicLim.com. That's D-O-M-I-N-I-C-L-I-M.com, where you can hear him sing his song and read about his book and learn more about what he's up to. If you like this show... Hit like, subscribe, and share with your friends and fellow ampersands. I had a chance to reflect on Dominic's interview and had a few key takeaways I wanted to share. It really resonated with me when Dom said that ampersands are likely to be high achievers. I know that for me, I've struggled with perfectionism, especially earlier in my life. It's been a process to get to a place where I'm able to define my own success and feel good about it. There's another interesting side to this interplay between perfectionism and being an ampersand. Straddling two worlds is kind of a forcing factor for letting go of perfectionism. I think it makes you more open to take on new challenges, however out there they may seem, like learning the trumpet. Lastly, I've been thinking a lot about timing. Being an ampersand doesn't necessarily mean you're doing 50-50 at any point in time. There might be months, years, or decades where one thing takes center stage, and then the other thing blossoms. But it's been there the whole time, kind of waiting in the wings. It seems like the timing is ripe now for Dom's writing career, and I am so happy for him. Sometimes you just need a break, and that's okay too. And the great thing about being an ampersand is you have this other creative endeavor that you can focus on. So there's always this thing going on. You're always being replenished. You're always being fulfilled. That's what I love about having more than just one artistic endeavor. 